What is in store for you in this 99th episode? Strap in and tune in because you are about to find out. So, but before we really dive into it, I realize we have a bad habit on this show. So yeah. I think that we should turn into a good habit instead. But, well, like the Marvel editor-in-chief of your Jim Shooter, used to say, every issue is somebody's first. And every episode is somebody's first who's listening to this. And we never actually introduce ourselves. Ah, that's because we always just chit-chat our way in. I know, right? So I I think introductions are a good uh, point of order to add to the uh, lineup of what we do on this show. So, okay. I'm Sean, and I have never watched Game of Thrones before until now. And I am Paul, and I have watched Game of Thrones before and will never again. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, this is ongoing with my HBO Max trial that I got. I've got about uh, one week left of it, but now I'm kind of fearing that I'm going to continue it so that I, we can keep watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, and you can pay for one month and get the rest of it done because you're already almost halfway through. You can you can knock out that other four seasons in a uh, in a month. Oh, it's five more seasons. It's eight seasons total. Oh yeah, but I figure you'll you'll be through season four by the time that we. Oh, so I see. I see what you mean. Yeah, I think you can do it. Oh yeah, I, I bet we will. Yeah, come on. You know, there, there's lots of things to look forward to in it. Uh, we've already mentioned all the flaccid uh, penises. That you get to see, that's a plus. There right? are, um, are a lot of tits and dicks. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lot of tits and dicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And butts. Notice that in this season. Lots of butts in this season. Yeah, they, they, they were leaving something out. They, they've got that filter. Yeah, they're like, well, look... There's a, there's a lot of Johnsons and there's a lot of boobies, but there's no butts. And we really got to change this. The people are crying out. It's missing a demographic. I know, yeah. I, I'm starting to actually see in the show the problem that I had with the books, which is that there's always a lot of drama going on, but there's not a lot of forward momentum of the actual stories that are happening. It seems like the forward momentum tends to be, oh, a terrible thing happened to this person. Oh, or this person is now killed and and no longer (laughs) on the the chessboard, so to speak. But towards the end of season three, there's still the same old war going on between all these kings. There's still the same thread of White Walkers up in the north that isn't really manifesting itself into any actual threat yet or development plot-wise and Daenerys is still just wandering around trying to put together an army and that's kind of it right and that's the issue I ran into with after book three I read the third book and I was like well it's kind of enjoyable but it seems like there's not a lot of forward plot movement it's just a lot of drama happening between characters and so i i asked around a bit and from what i heard from people on the internet is that yeah the rest of the books are kind of the same way 
you kind of just have to read them because you want the drama and you like the characters and that's about it and not really read them because you want to see the plot developed in any way so yeah, it's sort of like a fantasy soap opera yeah it very very much is and but just with a lot of brutal maiming and a lot of tits yeah, and dicks. brutal maiming <laughs> yeah nudity um yeah pretty much wait till there's dragons then it gets uh you know more dragony there's little dragons right now that's good and they're the, the dragons add some fun they're they're kind of medium size they're they're getting bigger they're probably eight feet long or so now they're to the point where they're scary when they scream at you they're that, yeah. that big but they're not like gigantic and, and they one, get pretty big one weird thing is i've seen so many just random clips of the show that in a way a lot of it has already been spoiled for me in terms of things that are going to happen but it was all out of context these clips so <laughs> i don't like i i know oh man at some point some character is gonna suffer some brutal death in this way but i don't so, so it's kind of like you're just like oh that's a gif i saw that once yeah that's, it, that's your exciting moment yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like I, I know at at some point Jon Snow's going to be holding a sword by himself with a bunch of horses racing at him. <laughs> and it's going to be very <laughs> exciting. But I don't really know any context about, like, <laughs> what's going on. At some point, I know Daenerys is going to ride a giant dragon around. But <laughs> I don't really know any context. So it, it's very it's very weird in that while the show was coming out, I wasn't trying to avoid spoilers or anything. I was just like, I don't care. I'm, I'm just, I'm not watching this show I don't really care. And the statute of limitations of my memory seems to have expired. <laughs> so that <laughs> for the most part, I've forgotten a lot of all the things that I've seen or heard. So most of it is still kind of just new to me. So it's all kind of working out in a way. Yeah, that's, you know, we kind of talked about spoilers a little bit before and how, like, if you're really tuned into something, even just reactions that don't say anything can spoil things because you're just so in tune yeah that's why it's nice to like uh not get caught up in the hubbub with stuff and just uh, you know it's kind of the same thing for me I, I watched game of thrones after the fact um i think i watched the last season not long after it aired but i just didn't really care what people were saying about anything it's like i wasn't so tuned in that i that every little comment stuck with me and didn't it didn't mess anything up at all. It's kind of nice that way. Yeah, it, it's interesting how the the opposite works. Where mm. when I'm not in tune with a show, and I see people's spoilers and reactions, they're just meaningless, and they just fade away into nothing almost as soon as I see them because I have no context to have them mean anything. And it's it's like, have you ever seen Westworld? No. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to make a reference to the picture. They show the robots, and it looks like nothing to me. In the show Westworld, it's basically about a robot amusement park where they use robots instead of people to be the like uh, people that inhabit the park so you can run around and be wild and shoot people and go nuts and beat people up and rape people and be awful and terrible and whatever. But they're just robots, so it doesn't matter. But if you show robots anything from the outside world, outside of this amusement park, they'll just say, oh, it doesn't look like anything to me. It's kind of a 
(laughs) in a way, a weird metaphor for being in tune with a show and spoilers, you know, where I've seen lots of spoilers for Game of Thrones, but ah, they don't mean anything to me because I just have no context for them. Yeah. So I don't, (laughs) yeah, it's a weird point in the show where I'm kind of thinking like, I know some like bad things are going to happen to some characters very soon just because I've, I've read book three, I've read the red wedding. And so I know, okay. So you know, that's coming. I know that that's coming, but that's it. Like beyond that, I'm, I'm pretty much out of the loop in terms of, uh, having any idea of what's going on after that. Yeah. Yeah. I said this the last time we talked about it. This show is basically set up to make you hate people and then to eventually kill them and satisfy you. But how satisfying is that? It's satisfying enough. Like, I mean, it's it satisfying enough through... for eight seasons, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets you through, um, it, it gets you through the first watch through, but it's like, I'll, I'll never watch it again because you're just living in misery the whole time. Like, it's just, you're just swimming around and just all this negativity. So it's, you don't notice that as much, I think, when you're first going through it. Uh, because it's just, you don't know what's going to happen and, you know, surprises, like every season pretty much begins with surprises, gets dull in the middle. So it's full of just violence and boobies and then it gets exciting at the end. Don't forget the butts now. Yes, of course. Added that in. So, I mean, it's kind of the formula. It's slow moving, really. Even with the advancing of the story, it takes forever. And like the thing that stands out to me looking back on the show, and you'll see this more as you go through it. Um, is it really is all just to make you hate people and want to see them die. And as it goes on, people that you hated before that you want to see die end up being the ones that you hate somebody else even more. So then you want to see those people die. In the end, almost everybody dies. You get down to a few people. I mean, you, you've, you, you know, like even without spoilers or anything that, um, the reaction to the last couple of seasons wasn't the most positive. Yeah. Go into it knowing that and it's fine, but it definitely is like there's, there's no real mastery to how they wrap up the story. It's very much, um, you know, HBO going like, okay, we don't have any more books. Let's wrap this up. And you just see it coming a mile away when you get there. Yeah. That's kind of what I have taken from it. It seems that in the last few episodes or or the last season or something, a lot of the characters and their decisions, when before they were very nuanced and shades of gray, seemed to turn very black and white and two-dimensional is kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up pretty well. But it's still, I mean, it's it's a fine ending, but you get to a point where there's like kind of only one way they can go with it. And that's the way that, that's, that they go with okay. it, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's kind of the, the, the charm of the show through the first six seasons is you're genuinely surprised by things that happen. Like, you know, bad things are going to happen. Like, you always feel like bad things are going to happen. And you feel like the worst thing is probably what is going to happen, especially after you're a few seasons in and have experienced that several times. I mean, like you commented on, like, the season one ends with Ned Stark dying, like, right when you start to like him, right? Yeah. It's that's pretty much like how the whole show goes. But like the plus is that it genuinely catches you off guard over and over and over. You don't see stuff coming. Yeah. And I think we, we just had uh, not too long ago, but it was last night in our watching the episode that ends when with Jamie Lannister's hand getting chopped off mm-hmm. where it like the 
show is going where he's like talking his way into hand me over to my dad uh he'll pay you lots and lots of gold and the guy's like "Ooh, tell me more all right ha 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 and he's like just one thing how are you gonna do it without a hand chop <laughs> and like, that's how the show <laughs> ends and or at least that's how that episode ends. And it was a very shocking moment because I didn't remember that at all. I didn't know that mm-hmm. was coming. M- my wife didn't know that was coming. And it comes at a point where we- we're just starting to kind of like Jamie Lannister because Jamie and Brienne of Tarth are, they're having their little buddy adventure as they're yeah. walking through the woods for episode after episode after episode. So we're kind of like, hey, yeah, you know, just, I mean, because. Jamie is a, a, a terrible slimeball person, and that's what he does is make people like him, even though he's an awful human being. <laughs> but, like, that's what happened, right? We started to like the character. Then, oh, no, he gets his hand chopped off, and, oh, no, like, that's the only thing he's ever been good at. It's terrible. It's, it was very shocking. Uh, and so it was a fun, shocking moment. The, <laughs> the one thing that is a bit of a bummer so far is that it seems that everybody who has died has been people we like because the first is Ned Stark. And it's just when you feel like, okay, Ned Stark is the hero of this show. So, all right, like, you know, we, we want Ned Stark to be the hero. And then, oh, he's dead. And then a next big one is Renly. Uh, one of the Baratheon king guys and he gets killed by the shadow monster. It was just when we we're thinking like, yeah, we, we, maybe Renly is like a cool guy and we like Renly and then oh, he, he's dead. <laughs> and so uh, that's, it's, it's very odd that way. And that it seems like all the people that are dying are the people that are likable right now. And, the bad things are happening to the likable people and the despicable people, the people we truly want to die haven't yet though. I'm sure they'll get theirs eventually. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But so I, I guess it just, I, I wish there was a little more balance to, to killing people we hate, at least in the early seasons. Yeah. Eventually you start getting, um, getting some of that. Well, I and mean, it, like I said, that's kind of what it's setting you up for. And I, I, I don't tend to, I, especially now, like as I get older and I don't really want to dwell in negativity, I don't really like these shows as like nearly as much where the premise is all set up around making you loathe somebody so much that when they finally get theirs, it feels really rewarding. And I guess it's just like, that's kind of setting up, um, enjoyment based on really negative qualities isn't it like teaching us to like hate enough that we enjoy somebody else's misery hmm yeah can you can you think of an example like something that comes to mind yeah uh like there's this show called game of thrones oh. where it makes you really uh, <laughs> but i i mentioned this last time too but it was the same I've thing with sons one. of anarchy Sons of Anarchy sets you up to just hate people so much cuz they're so awful that when something awful happens to them you feel good about it yeah, that's what Game of Thrones is, is doing that the whole way. Uh, I mean, like, right now, Joffrey, like, you absolutely despise Joffrey, right? Oh, yeah, he's You can't the wait worst. for him to get his, right? He is awful. Yeah, you just, you want it so bad, right? So, you like, you can't wait to see him have a terrible, awful death, right? Yeah. A lot of shows do that, but it's, I can't remember the name of the movie now. I was trying to look it up real quick, um, but I honestly can't remember enough to even figure out how to look it up. 
it's it's a samurai movie that was on Netflix. It's a, a newer movie, like the last I don't know five ish years. I really don't remember how old it is. I watched it I think a, a couple of years ago, and I start watching this movie. I almost quit watching it because the beginning of the movie was basically setting you up to hate the bad guy as much as possible, and he did awful stuff. And especially with it being a newer movie, they were more graphic than otherwise about what he did. Like, it did a really good job of making you absolutely loathe this character. And a good chunk of the beginning of the movie was just all that. And it was so miserable that I was like, why why do I want to watch this? But what happened with that one is it sets up the character like that, so you absolutely despise him, and then it gets completely away from that. Because now they've set up your your big bad guy, and they made, they made you hate him. And then the rest of the movie is all these various samurais coming together to end up working together to take him down. And they're they're all willing to sacrifice everything to, to get this guy. So the rest of the movie is that. So from that point on, the movie was better because even though, like, it was so awful and it basically did the same thing, like, makes you want to see this guy die, it didn't dwell in that the whole time. Like, not every ounce of the movie was dwelling in that. And Game of Thrones, I think that's what it does, is it makes you hate that guy, but then everything in between is just misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't know why I'm subjecting myself to this, but I am. <laughs> I think I just, I was always kind of curious about the show. Yeah. You know? I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched the whole thing once, and I don't regret it. I just won't do it again. And it's such a cultural phenomenon of a show. I can't really think of a show that has been more prominent within culture in the last like decade than that. A show that's been more popular, one of those shows like, oh, you've got to see it, and everyone seems to be watching it. I remember every Monday morning at work people would be like oh did you see the game of thrones oh the game of thrones i can't believe what happened on the game of thrones and and it was seemed like everybody was talking about it and it was just this really big thing so i've kind of just been curious just for my geek credentials to know what happens in it you know, as much as anything else yeah and i think um with things like this it always depends like is the quality delivering and I think, you know, I mean, Game of Thrones, there's there's a lot of good things about that show. And I, so I, I watched, the first time I watched it, I watched through the end of the fourth season. And the end of the fourth season ended in such a bad way that I actually stopped. I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. But at that time, I also had to watch it late at night. Uh, I couldn't watch it with anybody else up because streaming wasn't what it is now or anything. So I couldn't just stream it somewhere on my tablet where I could watch it. And contain all the awfulness, but, you know, watch it while other people were up, basically. Now, when you say um, bad, do you mean bad, poor quality, or bad, oh my gosh, this was a terrible thing that was portrayed on the show that I don't know latter. if I needed to see? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, th- there was something, there's something that happens that really bothered me. I was up till, I think I was up to like two in the morning watching it, and the, the episode ends with this awful thing. And I had to watch another episode just so that wasn't the last thing I saw. So I ended up staying up ridiculously late. Not that 2 in the morning isn't already ridiculously late. But that just kind of, you know, goes to, to show. But yeah, so I, I quit watching it. When I started again, like I had shared before, was uh, I had, like, I think DirecTV Now is what it was called at the time. I had subscribed to that to watch um, sports 
for, I think it was probably when the 49ers were in the Super Bowl, maybe. I don't remember. Last time I had a reason to want to pay money to watch Sports Live. It, uh, the service came with whatever HBO's streaming was then. It's not what HBO has now, obviously, because that just started not long ago. And so I was like, okay, well, I spent this, like, whatever, 50, 60 bucks for the month. I need to try to get my money's worth. So if I try to finish Game of Thrones, you know, then I'll feel like I got my value's worth, right? Sure. So that's why I pounded through the rest of it. I tried to start from the beginning, and I just, like, I tried to watch a couple episodes, like, no, I don't want to do this. I jumped back to where I had left off. I was like, I'll figure out what I'm forgetting as I go. And I did. It was fine. But it was a lot easier then because it it was streaming. I was able to watch it, like, on my tablet with headphones to where I didn't have to, like, jump through crazy hoops to try to watch it, basically. So it made it, you know, more doable. Yeah. I think that after this show is done, I'm going to attempt to swear off television shows for a while because they really take a lot of time especially when it's something like this where there's eight seasons and they're all out already and so it's easy to binge watch i I think we watched probably four or five episodes last night which you know that's four or five hours (laughs) of just sitting watching tv all all night and there's so much other stuff that I want to do and that I typically think is a lot more valuable with my time, like read. I, I tend to, I, usually I'd prefer reading over just watching TV. I've never been the one to just put on TV just to like watch something. That's just, mm-hmm. it's not something I do. It just, it, it doesn't even ever occur to me. Like when I'm just kind of sitting around, I'm like, ah, well, I don't really have anything to do. I just want to, whatever sit around mellow out or or just kind of mindlessly do something television never even comes to mind the closest to that that will come to mind is video games and so usually my my television watching is very deliberate i watch tv because there's something specific that i want to watch and so i i watch it i try to limit those things just because of the the time investment required yeah, and um, you know, I think that as we get older, our time is more valuable because we have, like, one you you gain more things you want to devote your time to as you get older. I think because you like you constantly throughout your life for trying new things, and so you kind of add to your these are the different things I can invest myself in. But yeah, like that's always a big question for me is is what is you know is this worth my time? That's why like I don't watch many movies either, and if I want to watch movies, I want to dedicate it to movies that are really something I want to watch, not just like whatever random thing. Like I don't want to watch something just because it's popular and other people are talking about it. My wife is very much a binge watcher. So she always pretty much like picks a show to just keep on watching each night, but she'll watch it for like an hour or two a night, a couple episodes, depending on the length of the episodes. Um, So she's good at not spending five hours (laughs) watching a show. Yeah. I mean, it's basically kind of like, you know, back when, everybody just had TV and you had to watch what was on when it was on, there was primetime, right? Like from eight to 10, you would watch primetime shows and that's kind of what she did. Yep. Um, so that's kind of what she does. You know, when we get my son to bed, she, you know, plays a little bit of animal crossing, watches a couple episodes of a TV show. But then also when she's watching the TV show, she's typically like reading articles on her phone or something too. And she's also not like, you know, when I say, you know, usually if you say she's on her phone, you know, somebody's on their phone, like you just think they're just, you know, like we would do wasting our time on social media. Yeah. She doesn't really 
waste her time with social media. Like she's actually reading articles, you know, reading articles about um, about art and stuff like that, and you know, whatever. So she's kind of like the TV is a bit background. She, at the very least, she's you know she's semi distracted by something else. That's just kind of her routine. I do it sometimes, but kind of like you said, I don't want to devote myself to the same thing. Just uh, you know, ad infinitum. So I'll watch something with her for a while, and then some nights I'll go do something else. Like if I want to play a video game, that's probably when I got to play it. If I want to read, that's probably when I have time to read too. So I'll float around and do different stuff. Um, and it's definitely getting more and more rare that I want to invest my time in TV. One thing I was excited about when Disney Plus started was they were going to have all of The Simpsons. Yeah. And for years I'd been thinking like, man, I want to rewatch The Simpsons because I loved that show. And I know there's a lot of great stuff in that show and I want to see it again. And I've tried several times to start in on that. And I'm just like, I don't, this isn't worth my time. Like, I'm not that interested and I don't really want to watch it. So I've given up on that. That's why even The Mandalorian, with how good that was, there were points where I was like, um, this isn't really what I want to spend my time on right now. And, you know, it took me, like, pushing myself to get back into the, the role with that. And then once I did, it was easy to finish it up. But yeah, TV shows, they just, they take a lot of time. And I saw somebody tweet out uh, asking, like, you know, what shows you've watched X number of times over. Like, it kind of made me realize the last show that I had, that, is a show that I've watched many, many times was The Office. And I haven't watched The Office in years now. There were, you know, when I was a bit younger, things were, you know, times were different. Energy was greater. And it was easy to just, like, continually watch things just because. Yeah. When I was younger, I think I <clears throat> watched a couple shows m more than once. I think The West Wing comes to mind. Uh, I think I may have watched How I Met Your Mother more than once. I don't know about The Office. I, I know there's probably some episodes that I've seen more than once. And maybe 30 Rock I've watched more than once, or at least some of the episodes. Yeah. But it was also, yeah, I was younger, and they were on Netflix. So it was really easy. Just, you know, I get home from work at 5.30 and just kind of put on some episodes for whatever because I got nothing else to do tonight. Yeah, we have a few series that we've watched, uh, you know, between us at least a couple of times, but that's like over the course of 10 years that we've watched them, you know, two times, maybe a, so there's a few examples of things we've watched three times, and it's because we're not spreading out to other things either. It's like, I would rather rewatch The Office than like pick some random other show that isn't going to be as good, because I know I could watch The Office again, doesn't matter if I've seen it, I'm going to enjoy it because The Office is a really well done show and it, you know, like I, it really resonates with me how they go about doing stuff. One of the things I like about The Office is it's funny and everything, but it also focuses a lot on positivity. You know, like it's it's not like we're talking about Game of Thrones. You're not dwelling in misery. Yeah. Uh, it, even when bad things happen, like it usually highlights the good in people in that show. Yeah, that's a really so like, good point. I, yeah. I'd rather watch a show like that. That's a show um we've rewatched Cheers, we've rewatched Mash, we've rewatched um Golden Girls, like some classic shows like that. But yeah, like newer shows. Eh, just, you know, a lot of most misery of doesn't hit me that way. Yeah. Yeah. Even other like Parks and Rec. We watched a bunch of Parks and Rec and then we kind of got tired of it and stopped and never gone back to it, you know. You know what I wish existed? on these streaming services like Netflix or Disney Plus. I wish they had a feature where you could pick a show 
and just say, start me on a random episode. And then you just watch an episode or two. Like, so you could pick the office and just say, pick a random episode and put it on. And that way it doesn't feel like it's a rewatch, but anytime you want to scratch that itch, like, man, it'd be kind of fun to watch some office. You could just do that, but without this sense of, oh man, I've got to rewatch the entire series and it feeling daunting. It would be kind of similar to how Friends is on TV and syndication, where it's on every day at five o'clock or whatever, and it seems like it's just kind of random episodes, and you never know exactly what you're going to get. And so then it's just on. I think that that would be a nice way to rewatch something where you can just kind of dabble in it for an episode or two and then done. And then you don't need to worry about, oh man, I have to keep watching it because, well, next time it's just going to start me at some random place. So there's no, I I feel no compulsion to keep going or keep watching. I think I'd like that. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool if they, you know, along that line of thinking, if they did, um, sort of like curated lists. So like, uh, the 20 greatest episodes of friends or whatever show where it's the episodes aren't chronological. You're not having to watch through full seasons, but it's highlighting some of the the best episodes. Mm. Uh, That's something on um, WWE network. So, you know, wrestling Um, they'll have best matches of this guy or that guy and stuff like that. And um, I usually don't care as much for some of the more modern people because it's like everything is still recent history. But what's really cool is when they go back to some guys like, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage or Bret Hart or, you know, these guys that haven't wrestled in a long time. So their matches go way, way back where some of these matches like I may have never seen or don't really remember. And sometimes, you know, it's like now they have such a database of material that uh, there will be some obscure stuff on there, too, that I, I never even knew existed. It's like those are really cool because it's you're not trying to search through and, you know, watch everything they've done. You're not like having to go and watch a whole three hour pay-per-view because they have one match in it or like, you know, it makes it easier. You're not having to dig through all this stuff, but it kind of lets you live in that theme. So that would be cool. Like, I mean, I was just talking about the Simpsons. If instead of having to be like, I don't know what, like if I want to watch this, I got to start slugging through from the beginning and it's just getting tedious. If it was just like, you know, here's the, you know, 10, 20, 50, even greatest episodes of the Simpsons. I'd be much more likely to do that. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, for something like The Simpsons, I, I definitely agree because that's something where I've I've seen it on Disney Plus, and it's something I'd be curious to watch because I kind of stopped watching Simpsons probably around season five or six or seven or so. Yeah, so I think I watched through around season twelve. Okay, yeah. It, and that's it, like 20 years ago now. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and that would make sense, right? It, it was similar points in our life, I think. Yeah. Because uh, I guess uh, it was basically when, I, like, I don't even remember what day Simpsons was on TV. But it was when I would rather go spend time with my friends than watch TV at night. Yeah. Is when that happened. Yeah, that's one where if I could just, if there was an easy way to just watch a random episode or two now and then i'd probably enjoy that but if i just start at season one episode one i'm gonna feel this sense of okay i have to keep watching it all and but i'd rather just like okay play a random episode from season two or a random episode from season six that would be really fun or if it was like here's 10 great simpsons episodes just watch one or two of those every now and then i think that that would be really cool 
Yeah, it seems like there's more streaming services coming out now that instead of like just here's a library of stuff, it's here's some stuff that's on that you can choose from, you know, and these are the some of the, the free services. Um, and I guess there's a handful of them, like uh, Peacock, right? Like NBC has Peacock and you can use it for free, but it's more limited or you could pay more and have more access. And there's stuff like Pluto or Crackle or Tubi or, you know, there's all these different things and some of them are just you know, crappy versions of Netflix or whatever. But some of them is like, here's some stuff that's on. And you don't get to choose like this whole library stuff. It's just what's airing right now. I can see, um, you know, like we talked, I think last time we recorded about shows that release episodically instead of releasing the entire season. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Mandalorian. Like I, I think there's a lot to be explored there as far as streaming services go to where you can offer content in a different way where maybe it's like not so, you know, a, a big thing with streaming services, they have to pay for the rights for all these things that they show, right? But maybe that's different if they do it in a different way and it could be more cost effective for them, but provide uh, somebody who just wants to casually have entertainment a different way to approach it. You know, it's like if I'm just going to arbitrate, like if I just arbitrarily watch TV you know, from eight to nine o'clock each night. And I don't even necessarily care what I watch as long as it's not something I don't want to watch. You know, that would be kind of cool to have a service where it's like, okay, well, here's a handful of choices. And this is, it's just, it's on. Interesting. Yeah. I know I would never use a service like that though myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it would have to be narrowed down a little bit more to, you know, more specific interests. Yeah. I feel like there's stuff that could be explored because, you know, people have been, spoiled by the advent of these services that allow you to like have access to almost anything at any time. I think that we're getting to the point now where people realize that that's not always what they want. I've seen that happen with social media where social media for a while was kind of the be all end all. And like, it's like you had to be plugged in to everything possible all the time. And people are balking at that more. You know, people are getting off of Facebook, getting off of Twitter, or at the very least, using them in different ways to where they they feel less obligated. Uh, and I've seen differences in that in, in business with, like, how those things are leveraged to use to connect with people. Um, the emphasis on it. Like, obviously, there's still a big emphasis on using social media for advertising and stuff. But the way that it's being done, like, feels different now than it was feeling, like, maybe five years ago. I think more and more people are, are realizing, not everybody, of course, and like um, technology and all this stuff, like this, con- you know, connectivity is a big part of our lives. But I think that now we've lived with it long enough that people are realizing that there has to be some barriers for it to be healthy. What do you mean barriers? You mean like just kind of restrictions on it or, or kind of yeah. more? You, you can't always be connected all the time. You have to set boundaries. People can't always have the expectation of getting your attention immediately and to set those boundaries like we individually have to change how we do things yeah um yeah i mean it, just as simple as like say not carrying your phone with you all the time like i i don't have alerts show up on my phone for twitter or facebook oh um, that's smart <laughs> for facebook i don't even have an alert that sh- shows me i have a message like on twitter like it'll show the little like dot or number or whatever by the app if if somebody has messaged me but it doesn't give me an alert. So like both of those I have to choose to look at and Facebook, like I actually have to open up the app. I can't just get it something showing that I have a message. And so it's like, I kind of minimize that. And I, you know, I always think it's funny when 
you send somebody a message on social media or even a text for that matter and they don't respond right away and they're like, oh, I'm sorry I didn't respond. It's like, I don't think anybody should feel that they're, they they owe anybody an immediate response for being sent a message like that. You know, if somebody wants your immediate attention, they should call you on the phone where if you pick up, you're talking to them, you know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like there, there, there needs to be more barriers with this. And I think that people that are uh, like young people, they're just living in it and they're not there yet. Those of us who were already like grownups by the time all this stuff started, we've been sucked into it. And now we're pulling back out of it because we also remember what life was like before it, you know? Yeah. That's one thing that I'm finding is uh, I've been much more mindful of how much of a distraction all this stuff is when like I'm at work mm-hmm. and it is a terrible distraction because my work is a desk job. You know, I don't have, <clears throat> unless I get a phone call, I don't have something I have to like be continuously doing necessarily. It's really up to me to set my own pace and my own schedule of how I get my work done. And the expectation is pretty much, well, I get my work done. And as long as I get my work done, it's all good, you know, but it's very easy when I'm like stressed out or not sure what I want to do next, or just kind of like, you know, need a break, just open up Twitter and look at it just to a way to fill that time with something that seems to relieve some of the anxiety but actually doesn't in the end it it seems like a, a momentary enjoyable thing but in the long run it really really isn't because it makes me just more distractible and, and stuff so i've started at times just leaving my phone in the other room when i'm at work just so it's it's not even around so that just it just doesn't exist and i think that that is a a valuable thing disconnecting having phones away time phones downtime uh i'm kind of playing around with that a little more especially this year it's one of the things i'm trying to focus on is how to mindfully use the internet rather than just passively and as a distraction use the internet one thing i realize i guess it's been a while ago now but uh one thing i realized but, is but, that there's well really important i want to make sure everybody listening knows that uh, listening to this podcast is one of the active things that you do, not a passive thing. So you should definitely seek out this <laughs> podcast and listen to it intently. <laughs> so just <laughs> caveat there. <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about this podcast when I say put your phone away. <laughs> listen to this show and then put your phone away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually kind of a funny point that like podcasts. Um, there's something that is a very different kind of engagement. Like you're dedicating some time into something. And like, I, I feel like podcasts are a, a way of slowing down and enjoying something rather than, you know, just like info dumping into your brain. It's like, I watch my son. He loves YouTube videos, but I see him behave differently. If he watches too many YouTube videos compared to if he watches a TV show or a movie, they're so like just gratuitously like quick and satisfying that it starts to, like, it's not letting our brains function properly, basically. Podcasts, I think, are, are a good thing in that way, where you're not over, you know, it's not, you're not listening to a series of five-minute podcasts that are just, like, boiled down to the sugary sweetness and nothing else, you know? Yeah. 
you're listening to something that's taken a bit longer and, um, you know, has, has more thought involved. It's kind of like listening to a radio show would be, except you're choosing when you listen to it. Yeah, that's kind of how, how I think about it. And I, I tend to, I like podcasts that force me to engage in, in stuff interestingly. I like, I tend to listen to a lot of either news or politics or special interest type of stuff stuff that is interesting and informative and yeah and you feel like you get something out of it when you get done right yeah Yeah, i yeah i've gone through trying to keep up with a lot of different podcasts and i don't have the time that some people do to listen to podcasts like i can't listen to it at work some people who listen to a lot of podcasts like that's mostly what i hear is because when they are at work they can listen to podcasts all the time or they have a longer commute or you know, they go on a long walk every day, you know, like those are a lot of good ways to do it. And I could listen to more if I had those ways, but I don't have a lot of those times that it's really easy to do that. So I tend to focus on one podcast at a time and listen to it until I kind of get tired of listening to it. And then I'll switch to one of the other ones that I like and I'll try to catch up some, but I also don't sweat about whether I'm keeping up or not, you know, chasing key. There's too many good things. If you're trying to keep up, like I have to use every good thing, what you end up doing is you're wasting all your time and energy on things that are good on their own, but they're not as good as other things to you. And you're ending up like taking away from yourself in the long run. Hmm. Um, Like I like playing fantasy sports. I've played 15 fantasy football leagues in the past. It's much better if I play it. Like at the same time in the same season. Oh, Mm -hmm. geez. (laughs) Yeah. And and they were all like with, you know, just like random ones and stuff like that. But it's like, I like interacting with um, like, I like football I like interacting with stats. Um, I like trying different things out. But I get more enjoyment out of it if I do fewer uh, because I'm not spending as much time trying to manage all these different leagues. At the time, I had more time to, and I don't regret doing it, but cutting it down was a better choice. You know, I could also play fantasy baseball and basketball and hockey and all these different things. And, like, I am dabbling in some of those a little bit now when I have people that actually want to do a league, but... Trying to do all the things is too much. You know, trying to keep up with all the podcasts is too much. Trying to make sure you don't miss out on any little thing on social media is ridiculous. And, you know, like that, that fear of missing out is, is huge. And, um, you know, I think that if we, if we recognize ourselves falling into the trend of that fear of missing out, that's your indicator. You should probably like take a big step back and like disengage from that thing. And you're, you're not doing, it in a way that's good for you if you're actually making yourself stressed and anxious because you're worried you're going to miss something. Because I guarantee you that the, the things that we do that with, none of them are important. That's one thing I found with Twitter is, I think we talked about this recently, how sometimes it seems like you'll see on Twitter a ton of people reacting to something where like, you know, someone said something that everyone decided was a, a terrible thing for somebody to say. And now all of Twitter is just reacting to that thing. But I have no idea what the original thing was in the first place. And every time I've actually tracked it down, it ends up being something that really is kind of stupid, it seems like. Or, you know, it's, yeah, maybe it's bad, but like, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's somebody criticized some comic book in a way that people didn't quite like or something like that. It just, it, and and I'm not even saying it's invalid to respond the way that those people are responding. It just is not as momentous of a thing as it 
seems like it is from the amount of traction that it's getting. It's not like a governmental leader fomented insurrection (laughs) against (laughs) their own government or something like that. Usually, you know, it's usually like, oh, somebody said something about comics. And yeah, that's that. And it's like, well, we already knew that Rob Liefeld was a dick. What are you surprised yeah. about? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. So I've I'm usually just whenever I see that sort of thing, I'm trying to say like, yeah, I just it it, it doesn't matter to me. If I didn't see yeah. the initial thing, then the initial thing is just not part of my life. Yeah, like I've had this conversation with several people times about comics. Like you know they subscribe you know have a big pull list they're always afraid that they're going to miss out something that they like and sometimes you know they're even questioning the things that are their favorite things but they're not even sure if they really want it anymore and like my my viewpoint is always this like if you subscribe to say 20 comics a month which for a lot of people that we know that's probably really low yeah um, I, i mean there have been times in my my life when i subscribe to 20 comics in a month I've been over 10 before, but, like, I, I can't even afford to get 20 comics a month. Like, that's, you know, and some people do way more than that. It's crazy. But, I mean, oh, yeah. te- teach their own, certainly. Um, but, so, say just, you know, throwing out discounts, like, 20 comics at full price would be 80 bucks a month. So, if you worry about, well, if I don't subscribe to all these, what if I miss on an issue that then goes crazy and, I you know, I can't get it for 4 bucks? Well, if you're not getting 20 comics you don't want, you're saving 80 bucks a month, you're going to end up with a net positive when like, oh, well, I didn't get this one comic. I changed my mind. I really wish I would have. And I spent like 20 bucks on it, 30 bucks on it. Mm -hmm. We end up spending a lot more because we're worried about missing out and overloading ourselves on stuff that we don't want because we're worried about the one time we might miss out. But it's kind of like if you get a, a you know, the most expensive warranty on everything that you buy. Every single electronic that they offer you a warranty, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like you're going to spend a lot of money on warranties. Yeah, you know that's how many a times, good point. Yeah. You know how many times I've actually used a warranty? It's probably zero. Literally <laughs> never. Yeah. The uh-huh. the one time it would have come into a into it would have been useful. We actually so my my wife had dropped her iPhone in a puddle picked it up immediately but then the phone stopped working we took it into the the apple store and we told them what happened he opened it up and there was no indication of water damage so he said uh i didn't hear what you just said this phone just stopped working and and it's still too new you know like it's still covered just because it's an apple phone Mm -hmm. iphone i guess i should have said it's an apple phone all weird so he just said like you're covered we're just gonna swap this out for you and they did Cool. So, like, I've literally, like, any time I've ever gotten a warranty, it's been useless. And if I got every warranty, I would have wasted, like, the, if I had to buy a brand new iPhone for, what, six, eight hundred bucks, I still would have spent hundreds and hundreds more on warranties over the years. The funny thing that I look at is, think about it mathematically. Businesses only exist when they're profitable. There's no businesses that exist that as of nature by their nature take in less money than they put out than they spend it's just all businesses have to receive more money than than they go in more has to come in than goes out so these warranties wouldn't exist unless they're receiving more money for the warranty than they're paying out to replace items so mathematically this thing 
only exists to make sure that it's a waste of money, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't exist because it, it, it's either, it's, it's a, either a waste of money for the consumer or it's a waste of money for the business, right? It, it's not, there's no like usual break even thing here and the business wouldn't exist unless it was making more money off of it than it's, it's putting out. And that means that you on average are getting less out of your warranty than you're putting into it. So it's, I think very much a, a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, sorry. Good. No, I was, I was going <laughs> to probably go on a tangent that I don't need to, <laughs> to be honest. So you had said that you wanted to talk about something about entertainment. Sure. Did we touch on it? Did we hit it or no, did we, we didn't. Get to it? Okay. We didn't, but let's get uh, to it. Okay. All right. So this is something that I thought about from watching game of Thrones and this is still kind of bubbling and simmering in the back of my mind in terms of if this actually is a useful observation in any way or if it's even a valid observation. But here, here's kind of where it came from. is We started watching Game of Thrones with the subtitles on because sometimes people say things that are just unintelligible. Mm-hmm. Like we just actually wouldn't have understood the words that that person just said on the show. And I've noticed this more and more in movies and TV. There's this lack of enunciation that people do. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the movie Tenet. It was actually unintelligible a lot of the times whole conversations where I actually literally understood 50% of the words that were being said because the mix was so bad. And the way people were talking was so mumbling, but something really meant it. It like it, there was just, it wasn't intelligible the way people were talking. And I'm kind of scratching my heads at times. Like why, like why has this even happened? And what I started thinking about is uh, tying this into a conversation we had early on when we were talking. We, I think we were talking about the show Golden Girls a while back and how Golden Girls, it seems like the, the characters aren't acting as much as they are performing. Like there's very much like they're, they're not trying to act realistically they're performing a character for on the show right Mm. and they're performing these dramatic things that they say and these attitudes that they have but it's not really realistic nobody like if you put a camera in a house nobody would ever act like any of the characters act on golden girls because they're they're performing they're not acting you know you know what i mean yeah yeah but i think that there's this trend in movies and television away from performing and more towards acting where things are trying to be more realistic and they're trying to write things so that characters talk in a way that seems realistic. Like this is how somebody might talk if they existed in the real world and we just put a camera there to capture it. 
And that kind of goes with this whole mumbly dialogue that people don't always speak very clearly and intelligibly. Sometimes people kind of just mumble. And it's very different from like the tradition of stage acting, which is very much about enunciation and all that. I, I just I'm noticing it seems like th- this dichotomy between performing and acting. And I'm not necessarily sure that this trend of quote unquote acting means better storytelling. I feel like people do think it means better storytelling, but I'm not exactly convinced that that's true. Yeah, yeah, I think people are always trying to find ways to be different, and it it, it it's like it cycles, you know. Like, okay, we're gonna lean more this way because that's not what other people are doing, so then it stands out, and then it ends up being back the other way because you know that's kind of the trend of things. But I think you know, you t- the Golden Girls is a good example where like all of those actors were rooted in lifetime of performing and like when you watch actors that like their background goes back to like stage acting and vaudeville and stuff like that you see like such a higher level of um execution of how certain things are done because it's a skill that's developed you know it makes me think about uh in in wrestling you can see all these guys that can do flashy fly crazy moves that are exciting but the best wrestlers the best matches are the guys that know how to do all the basic stuff really well and some of the basic things is like selling you know like obviously like yes they're physically doing something but you know when somebody super kicks somebody they're not literally kicking their damn head off (laughs) yeah it's you know it's meant to look like that but like when you get hit with a move you have to sell it to make the move look good to make the match look good to make your opponent look good and like both guys got to do that and acting is kind of like that. Like you have wait, to. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean, Paul? I thought wrestling was real. Completely real. Okay. Um, it's, it's super ultra violent, and you shouldn't watch it because it'll teach you to do dangerous things. Um, Stone Cold stunners really do knock people out in one go. Uh, just well, FYI. Well, you um, know what's interesting about that? Like when, because uh, we would watch wrestling as as kids, and. I don't think we quite put it together how fake it was because when we would play wrestling, we wouldn't pretend to try to hit each other. We would actually like try to body slam <laughs> each other. <laughs> this stuff is real. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You know, was, wrestling is a good example where it's like you have to play up to stuff. And I, I think in acting, you know, when, when you get too realistic, WWF has done WWE, whatever has done, you know, a couple times where they've gone into this like realism thing. And I remember one of the, and this was in the era when I had stopped watching wrestling for quite a long time, but I've kind of gone back and seen some of it. They had a wrestler named Bart Gunn box, a boxer named Butterbean in a real match. And Butterbean whooped his ass. Like it, it's fun to watch cause it was so bad. And I feel awful for Bart Gunn cause he should have never been put in that position. But that's where there's a difference between what's real and fake. Like, leave the real for, you know, UFC or for boxing or whatever. Like, wrestling needs to make you believe that it's real. But there also needs to be, like, the reason that's successful is because of the acting that these people do. And acting is kind of the same thing. Like, you, real life is boring. Like, we don't need real life. If if it's just real life, just, I mean, hours and hours of our days are just boring time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you need the acting to make real life seem interesting. So, like, if you're trying to be realistic, 
you still need acting to make it something somebody wants to watch. So, and I'm kind of with you. Like, my wife usually watches everything with subtitles. Just that way, it's like when volume is different, she can tell what's being said without having to have it up too loud or without a little bit of background noise drowning it out or whatever. You know, everything you were just saying made me think about, like, I've been watching a lot of um, samurai movies lately. Like, I'm still watching through the 25 movies at Toichi collection that I got, like, a year and a half ago. And I just watched uh, the... I think I watched the 18th movie, so I have six left. And this one I was excited about. It's uh, Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. And Yojimbo is played by uh, Toshiro Mifune, who is um, really well known. He's, uh, you know, like one of the the best Japanese actors. Like, you know, so I'm excited about it. Like, he was uh, one of the lead roles in Seven Samurai. He's, you know, like a lot of uh, Kurosawa movies. Like, he was uh, the lead actor in these movies. So I was excited for this one because it's kind of like bringing that other element in where it's somebody else who, and it was cool seeing it because like, you know, the actor who plays Atuichi is really good and seeing like somebody else, Toshiro Mifune, who's like even better come into one of his movies was cool. But I was paying attention a lot with this one about some of the kind of overacting that sells stuff. And it's like, guys, when something happens, they're reacting, uh, they go like, you know, like uh, stuff like that when they die, "Ah," you know really kind of hmm. overacting it which some of it like comes off a little bit silly sometimes but it also juxtaposes against the seriousness so the seriousness stands out more it's not everybody's trying to be serious you know it's not like a wrestling match where everybody's just trying to get in their own shit and doesn't want to sell for anybody else those are boring you know you got to have the people that react strongly so that way what they're reacting to stands out i think that there's this sense that being more exaggerated in terms of a performing sense will make things seem less realistic. And I think that there's a way to r- ride that line where it includes both performance and some aspects of realism to keep the illusion of realism without actually being realistic. And this is something I've s- seen in comics also a lot where I feel like there's this tendency towards realism and uh like looking back at comics comics from 30 years ago 40 years ago 50 years ago from like the 70s 80s 90s they're not realistic at all right it's they're they're not at all trying to be an accurate realistic portrayal of what's going on they're much more larger than life crazy things happening and the dialogue is meant to reflect that and i think that sometimes people try to put realism the in the comics at at the expense of telling a story mm-hmm. and that telling a story doesn't necessarily require realism telling a story requires telling the story right it's you shouldn't choose dialogue because it sounds realistic. You should choose dialogue because it tells the story the best. And I think that sometimes I, I notice, I feel like there's dialogue in there that is written just to sound realistic rather than written to tell the story better. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've noticed that quite a bit. I, I think I, I could expand on that, but I think that maybe that's a topic for uh, another day. But I think I'm just, I've been much more appreciative of stuff that tends more towards performance than it does towards realism. And, 
and I think that uh, sometimes that push towards realism can actually get in the way of the performance and the enjoyment of the entertainment. That's I mean that's kind of what's been percolating in my mind. I'm not quite sure what my takeaway is yet, but that's just one thing that I I thought of recently. So I thought I'd bounce it around at you. So I, I have a TV show that uh, I've mentioned this before, but I, I think that you should you would enjoy if you uh, give this one a go is uh, Futurama. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean I've I've watched a, lo- a lot of Futurama. I've watched like the first four seasons of it or so i just it was like it was on for a while then it got canceled and then there were like yeah. some movie specials and i i think i watched everything before it was canceled and i watched okay. those movie specials but i i haven't re- watched so much you, you did watch a good was, amount of it then yeah. um did do you know the episode where uh dr zoidberg goes and meets his uh uncle who was an actor oh i've forgotten just about everything <laughs> like, yeah okay so was, you need to watch yeah. this again it's it's such a funny example of what we're talking about because uh, his uncle was a silent movie actor. Um, oh, this sounds kind of familiar. And yeah. so then he, long story short, they they managed to make a, a movie and his uncle is directing it, but he keeps on like yelling at all the actors to emote because you know it's like he was used to the silent movies where you have to like really really over exaggerate everything. Yeah. So, it, uh-huh. like, he expects everybody walking around with these huge smiles on these faces and these these exaggerated movements, and you know, throw a pie, why don't you? You know, like just all this ridiculous, and it's a drama that they're making, but like adding all this extra ridiculous stuff. It, it's uh, an exaggeration of like the opposite of kind of what we're saying, where it's like you can also do it in the wrong direction too much, and there's kind of a balance to make stuff good, but you know, it's like entertainment's entertainment like it's trying to just be too realistic kind of ruins it as much as being like too unrealistic and you can enjoy either thing too like i I think there's a time in our lives where we want more realistic gritty stuff because we are you know becoming more conscious of what the real world is like more and what's going on in the world so like we want more to feed that and then yeah, I think you and I are to the point now where we're past that stage and we know too well what the real world is like and we want our entertainment to be different than that, to be a relief from that. Um, and, you know, your your comments on comics made me think, too, about how people get outraged about art and comics sometimes and, well, that's not realistic. And there's kind of a balance in that. Like, sometimes there's just bad art, but sometimes like saying, well, this art isn't realistic is like, well, duh, it's a freaking comic book. Like it's not realistic for people to fly or swing on webs either. So it'd be like, well, a, a body can't be in that position. Well, who cares? Like it's, is it accomplishing what it meant to accomplish? Like, does the art look good or bad? And you know, the, like the one specific example I'm thinking of was also more of a question of like, is this art, uh, you know, exploitative and that's a different thing, but is the position anatomic, anatomically correct? Like, that doesn't matter. Like, does it look good or not? You know, mm-hmm. the, the other thing is something separate. But people, you know, I mean, we just talked about how, like, on Twitter, people, you know, want to get outraged about stuff. And you don't even know what the hell they're getting outraged about because they bury the lead. Because all that matters to them is their outrage, not what actually happened or what should be or anything. Like, they just want to have a voice, even if that voice is just shouting into nothing. And it's it's the same with how people react to to you know comics and movies and everything else. Yeah, you know, I think having the mentality of just what do you enjoy, and if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. I tried watching Joker, 
I quit like halfway through because I realized I was trying to force myself to watch it and enjoy it, and I did not like it. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, I think uh, maybe it's uh, we've been going a little over an hour. I think maybe with that we should wrap this one up, huh? I think we should. I think. Okay. Uh, I think we need a lighthearted episode next time. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> this one was this one was uh, a little bit uh, a little bit heavy and too much talk of penises. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I will. <laughs> that wasn't my intention. It just ha- happened that way. It's a. Uh, it's when we talk about Game of Thrones, it it's uh, unfortunately go- gonna gonna happen. That's just so the, maybe, you know, the the realism. I mean, in real life, they're just you know swinging dicks all over the place. Um, I I don't know what your life is like, Paul. <laughs> in my life, most are kept in their pants where they belong. So <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've been watching the news. It looks like they're all over the place. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more episodes on the uh, Apple Podcasts or the Stitchers or the Spotify's or wherever you found this. And thank you for tuning in once again. I'm Sean, and I am Paul, and that was your reminder of who we are so that you don't forget for next time. I almost forgot to say that. Anyway. <laughs>